Hello and welcome to Pop Salsa, a geek-centric podcast where we sift through the recent happenings of movies and TV. I am your host, like always, Joel, accompanied by my good buddy Ernesto. Hey, how's it going? It's all good, man. There's been uh, some ramblings here and there, some major shifts happening in, in, in the studios, and we're going to talk about that today. But today, let's talk about video game movie adaptations. Ooh, video games. That's new. So there has been a recent acceptance uh, of video games being a viable source material for either movies or TVs. We saw that in a Halo last year. Mm-hmm. We know that they're developing Fallout a TV series at, over at Amazon. God of War is also coming. And now mm-hmm. Gears of War. Gears of War. You forgot Last of Us. Oh, yeah. Last of Us, of course. <laughs> <laughs> and Fallout. Fall, right? yeah, you I said, said Fallout, I right? said Fallout, yeah. Oh, Last of Us. Of course, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Oh, like how, that's like the most recent one, and I fucking forgot about it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So, Gears of War. Gears of War is a video game uh, from Microsoft, right? It's, it's like solely yeah. it's a Microsoft exclusive video game. I never really got to play with it because I was always a PlayStation guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but did you play it? Oh, yes. Yes, I played that. That that's game actually got me into the 360's life cycle. Really? Because I was on the fence, like, should I get a PS3 or a 360? And then I went to a friend's house, and he showed me Gears of War. I'm like, nope, I'm getting a 360. Yeah, like, well, well, for me, at least, because, like, I had God of War for PS2, right? So it was mm. always G.O.W. as God of War. And then all of a sudden, oh, yeah. they started referring G.O.W. as Gears of War. And I'm like, fuck <laughs> that. I'm, I'm a diehard and I'm staying with uh, <laughs> with PlayStation. <laughs> oh, I, I eventually came back to the fold. So. Yeah, you, you yeah, saw the light. It, it was just, yeah, I saw, I saw the light. <laughs> I was distanced from it, but they, you know, they got me yeah, back. Yeah, they pulled you back in. So do you think this uh, storyline for the God of War is equips itself to be... Uh, like perfect adaptation for on screen uh yes and no to be honest with you mm. because gears of war it has those cinematic moments right but and, and it has those inklings of narrative naturally right there's like four or five games of them but it relies a lot on gameplay like i know last of us and to some extent with fallout and halo you know they all relied on gameplay at some point but i feel like this the narrative is so interwoven with the gameplay mm-hmm. that it feels like it you're grasping at straws when it comes to the, when you're coming trying to figure out his resemblance of a story yeah i get the impression that uh video games like last of us are super heavy narrative story driven as much as they mm-hmm. are like playing the in-game playing that type of stuff so like me not never really even playing God, gears of war the things i've seen about it it's like very you know boots on the ground kill 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 shoot shoot at that monster <laughs> shoot at this monster and and yeah. obviously very super cgi heavy yeah yeah absolutely and it reminds me of halo mm-hmm. to be honest with you because halo has that lore but a lot of that lore is something you might have to dig on, you know, with the books and the comics and the shows and that animated TV shows. So with Halo, they, from what I've heard, they exposition dump you or they try to do all their ways to try to, you know. The TV show? Shove. Yeah, the TV oh, show. Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, yeah, it it is dense as fuck because they, they yeah. try to, 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 I think it was 10 episodes an hour each. And they try to fit what realistically is a you know thirty to forty hour game, 
into <laughs> you know 10 hours Right. And, right. and a lot of it is a lot of like the good stuff of, of you actually seeing Master Chief is left by the wayside to build the lore. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking if they do decide to make a season two, then maybe they will want to shift the focus of the lore's already built. So now let's let's get you in into the eyes of Master Master uh, Chief. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's a TV show. Yeah. Like that's that's a lot like eight. How many episodes you said? I think it's like. 10, 10, something like that. 10 yeah. episodes, like 10 hours. I'm assuming each is an hour. Yeah. Right? So, like, that's a 10 hour movie. But for here, it's Gears of War, and there are about five games, and you want it to be a two hour movie. Yeah, that's. So, it's. Wait, it's, it's a, really iffy. Is it a movie or is it a TV show? Yeah, it's a, it is a movie. Yeah. Jesus, man. That's, that's, yeah. you're kneecapping yourself from the start already. Yeah, <laughs> for Netflix. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, like, like, but then again, Dune, right? The screenwriter for Dune, he's worked mm-hmm. on what? Like Doctor Strange and, you know, of course, Dune. And Dune is a relatively dense context. Yeah. Right, like the book itself, like there's, there's always an adage when it comes to books based on movies that the book will always be better than the movie. Yeah. But when I saw Dune, we, when we saw Dune, we haven't read the book, but goddamn, like that movie was so freaking good. Yeah. And so I feel like they, they, because obviously the, the, the issue has always been, hey, the book's better, that type of stuff. You, you, because you could mm-hmm. clearly fit more detail and more in the book than you could possibly ever in any adaptation, you know, unless you'd run exactly. like a hundred seasons, then maybe you could do <laughs> <laughs> everything justice. Um, Game of Thrones. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking, I was thinking of Harry Potter, but yeah. Oh, that too. That's or yeah. uh, Lord of the Rings. <laughs> oh, you're right. 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 They stretched the Hobbit over three movies like bro <laughs> yeah i remember when like when that first broke it was like oh peter jackson's gonna do the hobbit and then like a month into production is like yeah i'm thinking this is gonna have to be three movies because there's no <laughs> way <laughs> <laughs> yeah but um so gears of war what do you think would be the because obviously they're gonna have to set up like some sort of origin and stuff like that because nowadays assuming that people um know what the origin of 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 these uh these characters are really doesn't translate well you know like because mm-hmm. say it however big you want to say that the video game is there's still going to be a vast uh a vast amount of the viewing audience that ha- is going to have no idea what the this is yeah so where do you think they would have to they would have to start obviously from the beginning but do you would you want them to have a like a full-on origin story uh no no not at all if anything they should go with a little bit similar to what the games do and the games you're you're marcus phoenix you're one of like i believe delta squad which is one of the elite squads or i guess the ones that are most suicidal in terms of fighting enemies right because they're fighting like these underground monsters and blah 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 but you don't really know much about him until i want to say maybe the second or third game like you just know that he's a convict and that he's being conscripted because there's no more soldiers <laughs> in this war. So uh, they should just do it like that. They should not be so focused on explaining things mm-hmm. and just letting it organically play out. Like we're in a war against these subterranean monsters. Go. <laughs> you don't have to do all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm imagining something in the veins of Saving Private Ryan. Oh, where they have scenes. to have an explosive yeah the an ex 
explosive opening scene and Gears of War has a lot of those explosive opening opening scenes and the Marcus Phoenix is a veteran from one of those massacres like that's why he was in prison mm-hmm. like he left his command post to go to his dad because his his, his mansion was getting attacked weird right he, he has a mansion yeah. but you know his family his family of mansion was getting attacked by locusts so he he disengaged from the battle and a lot of soldiers died his manner so like <laughs> Yeah, his manor. It's actually called Phoenix Manor in the game, I believe. <laughs> so they they need a they need a good step forward and enough of this Halo esque, let me sit down and teach you who Master Chief is crap. Yeah, I could imagine like it, almost um what Suicide Squad did when they were introducing mm. the characters, right? Like this is this <laughs> right. character and they read the rap sheet as he's being walk through the prison and all that stuff and it's like oh, are you sure he's a good person for the jobs like he's the best and boom there you go off and running yeah yeah he's just like me but does it better kind of <laughs> kind of thing with peacemaker no yeah absolutely absolutely because you have the first suicide squad and people are kind of like oh that's what's the difference between suicide squad and the suicide squad and james gunn masterfully tells you this is the difference yeah yeah so gears of war definitely needs that especially for a netflix budget kind of thing like yeah that's uh, that's the thing like netflix is is struggling like it went from being the giant of the giants to mm-hmm. falling by the wayside and they i feel like they they have to come up with a way to save their save their business obviously and maybe they should you know start dipping their toe into video game adaptations yeah you know work with companies that are willing to work with them to to bring these um these characters into the the small screen and i would say that they, they should focus on tv just because it gives you more time to play mm. and flush out the characters yeah a lot of their successful video game-esque or maybe also novel like the witcher mm-hmm. and like cyberpunk or edge runners a lot of those are tv shows so there are a lot of room to let it you know flesh out but also I do feel like a tv show has a longer shelf life in terms of pr yeah because you have various sources to like this episode was awesome like no this episode was awesome like do you see henry cavill in the tub you know like all those arguments and stuff like that so when it comes to gears of war you just have oh that was a cool movie and period and yeah. it's not a lot of things to to derive from like maybe a couple of scenes but it's it's finite compared to a three season what 120 hour kind of <laughs> kind of you know source yeah and do you think it would it, it this would be a, a type of thing that would benefit from a weekly release rather than like a dump because i'm seeing where um mm. like the mandalorian and then last of us as the episodes would premiere it would stay in the news it would people would stay mm-hmm. talking about it you know as opposed to yeah. if you dump everything out all at once then people talk about it for like a week and then it basically dies yeah, it would. Yeah. If it feels anything. If it was anyone but Netflix, it would. But Netflix is Netflix has always dumped. Yeah, and like they're they're the ones who popularized binging. Yep. Right, especially when they came out. But uh, it's tactically that's the better way because, like you said, it's the longevity of it. Like like The Last of Us, every week it came out, it carried it into the next episode, right? and then it builds anticipation and all that good stuff. And then same with The Mandalorian and same with, you know, shows that are episodic. But when you drop it all at once, you kind of lose that mystique or that kind of buildup when it comes to it. Yeah. I mean, well, 
I'm I'm still in the bank uh, in the in the in the side of I love it when the, everything gets dumped at once just because we could run through the mm-hmm. the the season at basically at your own pace, you know. Yeah. But I feel like Netflix is in a situation where they have to start adapting. And yeah, unfor- that's a good point. unfortunately, we've seen them do some moves that are like, hmm. But <laughs> <laughs> to say the least, yeah, right? to say the least. <laughs> but <laughs> but now we we are expecting, or we if we want Netflix to to stay around, because I like I want Netflix to stay around there, even though I barely watch anything on there. Occasionally, they'll drop a gem, you know, like they drop the. Uh, all Quiet on the Western Front. It won an Oscar mm. as best foreign right. film. You know they they have right, right. they they still have the capability of of releasing or distributing really good solid content. But un- unfortunately, the the model the the business model that they created basically has has been changed, and they haven't adapted to that changed to that change. Yeah, yeah, it's something that you kind of saw the writing on the wall when it came when all of their properties were being pulled like star trek used to be on there and then when paramount plus had their whole setup they're like oh we're pulling all of this stuff like parks and rec was on there and then they went to peacock disney right so yeah exactly so a lot of those properties that's i felt like at the beginning that's what they were trying to do they're trying to do these independent kind of new properties or new ips but uh, they, they go to Netflix not just to see something new at the time. You wanted to rewatch Star Trek like ten thousand times, yeah. you know, established properties and things like that. So, uh, yeah, video games adaptations for them does feel like a good booster, at least for now. Yeah, that that would especially like because it would encourage a a shift in um, the viewership as well, because mm. it would also you know bring in a lot of the nerd culture fans and stuff like that to your platform. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and far more so than like a nerd or or somebody who considers them a nerd, but like just because they watch Stranger Things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started with that. But do you do you feel because I have a theory when it comes to these two studios who are always licensing their their IP, right? Mm-hmm. We have The Last of Us. And then we have God of War, we have Horizon Zero Dawn, we have Ghost of Tsushima, we have like Gran Turismo of all games, yeah. all being developed. And those are traditionally Sony properties. But when you so when you look at Microsoft and you have Halo, right, and that's on what, Paramount? Yeah. Or Paramount, and then you have Gears of War for Netflix. Do you feel that a home for these Microsoft properties are better in Netflix or Paramount? Um... Or Amazon. <laughs> like, what's a good home for these properties? Because it seems like Amazon, like with Fallout. Yeah. You know, and, and God of War. Well, that's the thing. Like, um, nobody, like, Microsoft doesn't have their, like, a production company. Mm-hmm. You know, so they, ha- they have to rely on licensing their, their, their stuff. And, and then the, this is where we get the, like, it gets spread out everywhere. Amazon, Netflix, and Paramount, that type of shit. But Sony, on the other hand does have a production company they have the capabilities Mm. of you know creating their own streaming service and then just pulling all the sony produced movies and tv shows and all that stuff and and pulling it into one thing i'm not necessarily sure that they they actually need that just because like sony's company is way much more than a video game company a production company right an electronics company forget yeah, so they <laughs> yeah. they have their toes in like so much so much already, 
that mm-hmm. at this moment, even though looking at it, it's a yeah, it will probably be inevitable that one day they'll have their own streaming platform. At just at this exact moment, I don't think it, they actually like would want to pursue that. Mm-hmm. And they they have the lineage of it, yeah. right? You have they have what New Line Cinema, mm-hmm. right? New Line Cinema is a yeah New Line Cinema, and they have that. It, it's a little. It seems like Sony kind of knows where to put their money into now. Yeah, this at this point, right? You see Microsoft trying to do that, and I I could see the lineage with you know you have the Dune scriptwriter, you know, and then it's for Netflix, and but it's Gears of War, and like what, <laughs> and kind of thing. So I I feel like. It's it's a gamble, yeah. if anything. See, but I also have to look at it like maybe like this because probably mm. Halo didn't perform the way they wanted to mm. over for Microsoft, right? So maybe like Microsoft was getting ready to sign a big exclusivity deal with Paramount, but they saw that it didn't really perform the way they wanted to. So perhaps that's why they gave Fallout to Amazon and Gears of War to Netflix to to test the waters in a, in a way to maybe see which of these streaming platforms could bring our vision uh, the best to, to life it can be. Yeah, that's a good point because Sony's doing the same thing. Yeah, like HBO is Last of Us, but then you have God of War for Amazon and Horizon Zero Dawn for I believe Amazon as well. I think it's so, I think it's going to be a disservice a disservice to God of War for it to be on Amazon. <laughs> Well, we never know. You man on the high castle. It's still going to be a disservice because like, you have <laughs> you you have to have somebody who's willing to take it, uh, like be creative and do like mm-hmm. dangerous things in a creative way, like HBO has a history of doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I prefer HBO. Yeah, totally, hundred percent. Or was it HBO Discovery Plus or whatever the fuck? Discovery. <laughs> HBO has that lineage where they're not afraid it's not, with it's you not know, TV. sex it's and HBO. violence. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. It's not TV. It's not TV. It's HBO. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all, right. all right. There has been uh, a lot of rumblings, shifts, and generational changes and stuff like that going over at Disney Marvel. We a couple weeks ago, oh, the head of their VFX, uh, Victoria Alonso, seemed to have, you know, said goodbye. But then mm-hmm. it came out that maybe she got fired. Yeah. And <laughs> we were both like, eh, we don't really want to talk about this. But we came up with a, a good angle to talk about. And that's going to be what do you think this means for Marvel's VFX for future movies? Yeah. Because she has been there since the beginning, since it's the beginning, Since bro. The Paramount <laughs> days. Yeah, yeah. For those of you who break it, for those of you who don't remember, Paramount used to own the MCU. Yeah. So did they? Yeah, of course. The, the, Are you serious? Yeah, the first Iron Man, and up until um, the Avengers. Wow, it was really? all Paramount. I didn't yeah, know that. It was Paramount. What? Yeah. Oh, I see. Wow, they really dropped the ball. I know that's that's <laughs> what everybody was saying. <laughs> but this is obviously going to be a a, a shift. Like you know, we've had conversations in the past where, when movies tend to start becoming like super CGI heavy and not just you know building a world around them, but giving characters who at one point had practical suits, like making it a hundred percent or the majority of it VFX, and that's one thing that Ugh. was that's one thing you picked up on. In the last Ant-Man film. Yeah. Yeah. It's in case y'all haven't seen it. It's not really a spoiler, to be honest. Like, you see it in the posters. Mm-hmm. But 
back in the day, <laughs> Ant Man had this very retro practical look, or he had, he had a helmet, yeah, right. Even even if he had to take it off to put it back on, right, and he could you know open it with a the press on the button and it latches open, and it looked really freaking cool, like kind of steampunkian, yeah. Um, and then you have Civil War, and it's kind of like that, but it's still like that actually. Yeah, it's kind of like a a motorcycle helmet uh, where you could f- yeah. flip the vi- the front visor up. But obviously, they had to do like some movie magic and stuff like that to give to give it some more of a pizzazz. Right, right. <laughs> it has like a nice click when he did it, and it was, it was really cool. Yeah. And fast forward, you know, two decades later, a bit, and you and Ant Man and Quantumania, and it's it's like this CGI suit, right? They press a button and it, it unravels itself, and like the helmet comes back from this something from behind him it's it folds in it's it's a it's it's a mess yeah in my opinion it makes it seem that once tony stark died they just raided his his lab for all the technology (laughs) (laughs) exactly it feels like the majority and i don't remember from the tv shows but i don't remember sam having a retro kind of helmet right they kind of stayed practical with his yeah it was like he has carbon fiber wings Yeah. yeah yeah So I, I, I don't. I want them to be less dependent on the flashy VFX, especially that when Marvel started with Iron Man and the first Avenger and what Alonzo has worked on, uh, they they all had a unique look. Yeah. Right. They all had a, a very unique feeling. Like Cap's costume is vastly different than Iron Man's costume, right? And for the most part, it was in Endgame, but then it starts becoming everyone has kind of a nanotech-y, you know, easy to fold because you know the actors don't want to wear this huge bulky suit, and like that's fair, I guess. Yeah. But it makes everything feel the same and bland and i'm more tired on them relying heavily on vfx than like the superheroes themselves yeah i mean this this goes back to that time we were at um comic con and we were in the panel with um fuck what's his name kim andy park, andy park there you go. i was gonna say kim yep. park but yeah andy park <laughs> um he who, who for those of you who don't know he has like a, a long extensive history of working in comics and he designed uh, the way he explained it is that they they split the designing group into two, and he was in charge of designing like the the costumes for Ragnarok and some of the Iron Man films and stuff like that. And he was explaining like mm. what it actually goes into uh, building a or or bringing the comic book suit to life, and like all the logistical challenges and stuff like that. And it kind of make feels like now that they've shifted a towards towards a nearly a hundred percent VFX CGI suits kind of makes them gives the work that andy was doing like makes it even extra special yeah like we look yeah we look back at the behind the scene photos of like iron man with with robert downey jr in a you know half built mark to (laughs) iron man suit and they just filled out whatever whatever needed to be towards now whether people are just wearing mocap suits yeah so it, it it takes away from it. I don't because from what I liked about each of the films when it comes to the Marvel films, each suit felt, you know, the world felt different. Mm-hmm. Like even like Ant-Man is vastly different from like, say, Thor and Thor is vastly different. Iron Man, Captain America and stuff like that. But the ongoing trend nowadays, it feels like it's entirely VFX sets like meant to blow your mind away, I guess. And then. A suit that's majority, like you said, mocap stuff, and yeah. it doesn't. It starts becoming less of of something that feels comic bookly unique. Like they don't embrace their comic book origins as much as they used to do. 
Yeah. And I kind of feel like that that shows that that's also like going hand in hand with the dip of quality in the Marvel films. Mm. You know, like when when back in the like the phase no uh, phase one through f- four, one, two, three, four? I guess. Yeah, because four was the iffy one. The iffy one okay. <laughs> so like in the original yeah. phases in our generation of yeah. of Marvel movies, <laughs> it, <laughs> it felt like they were sticking a lot more to like either. Trying to have it to be as comic accuracy. I'm not saying like storylines and obviously not not like that, but like the representation, the demeanor, the the way the characters acted. They were more comic booky. But now mm-hmm. there has been a shift to like let's distance ourselves from that and make these characters their own entity. Yeah. And yeah, that's like like Ernie said, it's like cheapening the the whole experience. Yeah, and I I hope that with you know, like Dune for an example, like Dune is a massive achievement in filmmaking, and they they try to stay away from those majority green screen sets. Yeah, right. Some of them were majority of them were practical, and then you have James Gunn taking the reins of the Suicide. That's why the Suicide Squad, amongst other things, was so good. Is that it? Look, all of everyone was goofy. Mm-hmm. Like Peacemaker's outfit is entirely impractical, yeah. right? But it made him look so freaking cool. And like Harley Quinn and Dead, like Deadshot's armor, where every like every weapon was everything piece of his armor was a weapon. And then you have freak like all of them looked unique, next standing next to each other. And from what you look at, like say Atman's costume that's majority red, and then you look at Falcon, which is majority red, and it's like what like what do you look it doesn't look as unique as it should be yeah so then you have james you have james gunn taking the reins from the suicide squad into the greater multiverse not multiverse but um what the dcu and he's he's probably gonna lean more into that practical fit yeah and that's the one thing that also they they embraced and over at uh, with james gunn was like the impracticality of of peacemaker suit was addressed in peacemaker and it became part of like the running joke of it yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know like there, there's sometimes where you know the reason why we felt well part of the reason why we fell in love with these characters w- when they were in comics was because the the outfits look so outlandishly colorful and goofy and funny mm-hmm. looking and stuff like that but that was also mm-hmm. you know it attracted us to them but now yeah. that they're obviously you can't really have you know the x-men in yellow jumpsuits running around but you had to come up with a a better something better than fucking le- than a leather onesie, you know? Yeah, exactly. There has to be a, a middle ground to have that those advancements, but also keep with the spirit of the comic. Yeah, totally. Because everything feels muted. Like a lot of their outfits, even the wasp back in the day was really cool looking because it was very out like the bright colors and all this stuff. But nowadays, it feels a little bit more muted now now mm-hmm. compared to what it was in the past. Yeah, let's let's hope that um, you know whatever like there's there's really not going to be a a, a a way for us to find out what actually happened between uh, Victoria Alonso and Marvel. But let's hope that this is a, a change for good. That maybe they do some course correction and the next movies coming up don't rely like a hundred percent CGI on either the costume or you know, building a CGI world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But like, look at over at what, uh, Todd Phillips is doing and you see that it's a very grounded, 
very in your face real life adaptation of a character yeah and i'm not saying you have yeah. you have to make it that gritty and, and depressing but, you know <laughs> it's uh they have resources and every that's why it's so good is that every aspect of the world contributes to the narrative right and i look at quantumania and it's the it's the miniverse i forget the quantum realm mm-hmm. the miniverse <laughs> it's, 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 it's the quantum realm but uh that's it's just kind of there for dressing yeah and they marvel needs a kick in the butt and hopefully james gunn can deliver that kick in the butt or they're like hey maybe we shouldn't rely on just kind of a you know spectacle and actually kind of take a step back and look at what works and what doesn't work and make it more you know worthwhile rather than that yeah and i'm not saying that there's probably other elements like joel said with the uh, alonzo going bye-bye um, but I could I could definitely see in her shoes where you're there for 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. And you've been doing the same thing for 20 years. I feel like a change is nice. Yeah, it, it, after a certain point, everything s- starts to get stagnated. And yeah. then that starts to be reflected in the final product. And then it starts to suffer and fans get pissed off. And, you know, all that shit starts, starts happening. Yeah. Um, but we... Yeah, I mean, there really isn't much more to say, because like it's 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 one of those situations where it's what actually happened, and we're never gonna know. But thankfully, it gave us an opportunity to speak about what this is gonna mean for the the greater MCU overall. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're getting more images from Todd Phillips, uh, Joker to a fois de deux. Oh, no, what's a father do? A father do. <laughs> that sounds right. Yeah, nice. My French, it's it's lacking, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we finally got to see uh, Lady Gaga in her Harley Quinn getup. Yeah. So, what are your initial impressions? You, you kind of teased it as if you had like a big bombshell to lay on me. <laughs> um. I don't like it. You don't like it? <laughs> I don't like it. I don't... Um, it's... I don't like it and I like it. Yeah? How about that? Yeah, we're, we're in the middle. We're always dancing in the middle, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of dancing on the ceiling. But uh, it's. it feels like it's within the lines of what the Joker was. Very minimalistic. Very not in your face. Yeah. But also in your face. Yeah, like <laughs> at the same time. The picture they released, it looks like something like some sort of protest is happening. There's police everywhere, and just this one person in a bright red suit, uh, jacket, just walking <laughs> around, just like, "Hey, look at me," you know? <laughs> right. Yeah, and like the colors are exactly like not exactly, but they are inspired by Harley Quinn. You know, yeah. the black and the black and wool, black and red. Yeah, the white. Right? And, and, you know, yeah, and she kind of has the the makeup on and stuff like that, and it's it's looks like it'll probably look better in the end product, but it looks to like a bad cosplay <laughs> cosplay to yeah, me. Yeah, like very like, last minute. Hey, I'm I'm got invited to a Halloween party. I don't know what to wear. Let me just throw something on real quick. <laughs> right, exactly. So it's and it it kind of evokes the issue with a sequel to something that was in all intents and purposes a very indie feeling narrative that happened to be story book uh, story book comic book mm-hmm. driven is that you now are kind of tapping into the lore of the comic book and it's either i feel that you either don't do it or you do it yeah and here it's kind of trying to do the middle and it looks goofy yeah that's one thing that that 
un- unfortunately, um, the relationship between a character and what, like how it's being represented on page to how it's how it gets represented on screen, it's gonna like. You, like you said, you either have to go in all the way or not, because like a character like Harley Quinn is inherently goofy in her own right, and mm-hmm. especially like her origin and all that stuff is being insane and craziness. Like you, you kind of have to do it the way Margot Robbie is doing it, where it, right. everything is over the top, everything is like a joke to her, everything is just like she can't take anything seriously. And 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 here with Todd Phillips, it looks like she's he's trying to take it seriously. And mm-hmm. like obviously, like he pulled it off with the Joker in the previous film, but once you add a another layer of wacky, how are you going to like smooth it all out so it doesn't just ruin everything completely? Yeah, like even even how the Joker looked, it was nothing like the comic book. Yeah. Right? it was just kind of inklings of what the Joker mm-hmm. was. Like even you could argue that the entire film was not about wasn't that even a DC film. Uh, save for you know thomas wayne and gotham yeah like being referenced and that's really much it it's just something that lived within the world and was not really part of it to begin with exactly like an elseworlds narrative and stuff so when you see harley quinn's literal colors not not something that's inspired by but like literally <laughs> you know the checkerboard on her dress and you know like the pigtails i think or i don't think she had pigtails no, in the photo not, but not yet yeah, not yet anyway, but it, it's it feels weird given you've seen Margot Robbie's interpretation, right? It's not it's it's kind of like the same thing, but hers seems half assed <laughs> compared to Margot Robbie's where like, yeah, let me go full on, you know, makeup, let me dye my hair pink and blue, not pink and but you know the tips, yeah. pink and blue and yeah, it, it feels it feels with one step in the DC world and not. And I don't know if they can do good either or good yeah that's a that's definitely the thing where whereas in margot robbie's it's more of an adaptation of modern harley mm-hmm. and i kind of feel like uh todd phillips is going more with more of a classic you know version of harley because like you look at the her her jester outfit it's kind of very reminiscent mm-hmm. of what she's wearing here except it's obviously a little bit more modern and she doesn't have the the jester he- uh, headgear with the bells and stuff Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I noticed is that her skin isn't pale. Yeah. So I'm I'm starting to think like, is this going to be like a Harley Quinn origin film? Oh, I don't even know, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even. I don't think Todd Phillips will like the idea of you know her falling into a vat of Ace chemicals. Yeah. And coming out bleached but, or something. But like that's the part of her story. You know, that's what right. the final the final thing that breaks her mind is him dipping uh Harley Quinn into the vat of acid. Yeah. You know? I, I yeah, I, I I that's I see that's the issue. Right? <laughs> I, so I'm kind of on the fence is that you you either go all in on the lore if you the more people from the Rogues Gallery introduced, the more you're gonna have to either variate itself but at that point it becomes a superhero film and it doesn't become the joker indie film mm-hmm. for there were footage we've seen in the past where it shows the joker running from an army of jokers so it seems like he's more he's less of of like the prince of crime the crown prince of crime and more of like i what have i done what did i start mm-hmm. and it feels like people are going to be more infatuated with him and he doesn't want to be a part of it and I feel like Harley Quinn, and this is just speculation and headcanon at this point, but I feel like Harley Quinn is the one who's going to push him to become the Joker Insanity. rather than, yeah, the opposite of uh. it. 
Interesting. So, I mean, that's other than just dipping her in Ace, you know, Ace chemicals and then like call it a day, which we do <laughs> want to see, right? We, yeah. we want to see an origin that's that's more grounded. But knowing Todd Phillips and where he took the Joker, it's going to be some sort of twisted uh, reverse sway or something like that. What if it's all in his head? Like again, everything. Yeah, just everything. <laughs> the first one. The whole. The first like, one is like, is it all in his head? Yeah, the last shot is just him, like in a in a sterile room with a bunch of lights strapped down, with this just crying. That's that's the last shot. It, it's revealed that it, everything was made up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see. I could see them freaking copping out. Yeah, <laughs> like <that. laughs> this poor man like, was was pushed <laughs> to the edge in the first one. But he not necessarily the way he wanted to go down, and, and he's so remorseful that he killed those people on, on on live TV that he had a complete and mental breakdown that he's basically comatose. <laughs> oh my God, Joel, Jesus! I mean, how much? How are you? How much darker? How much darker do you want to get? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to get too dark, but I could definitely see. I could definitely see that and stuff like that. But you know, how do you feel about it? I, I'm the one who's been gushing about, about um, doing it, but how do you how do you feel about it? I mean, it's definitely an interesting take. I do like that it is a little bit more it is muted. You know, mm. it kind of makes it seem like a like Harley Quinn is a Joker fangirl rather than like the Harley Quinn that we all know and love. Mm-hmm. Um, the the main thing I got hung up on was that her skin isn't pale. So obviously, mm. like I started thinking about possible. Uh, it being possibly part of the storyline if that's how it's going to end or it somehow throughout the film she's going to get uh, the, the acid dipping um, but it, it makes it seem like it doesn't really fit you know it doesn't fit mm. the tone of the movie just because like this this movie is so dark and you, you bring a representation of a character that inherently she's insane but she is the laugh you know she brings the funnies mm-hmm. yeah yeah. And like you said, you have to either go all in or don't at all. And I kind of feel like Todd Phillips here is trying to have it both ways. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, how about this? Do you do you feel traditionally Joker has been the abuser in Harley Quinn's relationship right? yeah. to the point where Harley Quinn left and, you know, started checking up with Ivy, uh, Poison Ivy. Uh, but do you feel that they're going to kind of change the dynamic i know i alluded that she is the one who's going to be tempting him mm-hmm. but the, usually it's traditionally it's the joker is like he's not a good guy no right he's he's the one that who's he's the abuser but it feels like now it's kind of the opposite kind of thing or maybe he's like the, the point is that they're leading on the joker and harley romance like they did for another film suicide squad the not the suicide squad but the air suicide squad it's like they had that romance kind of going on, you know. She's it's more of a, it feels more like a love kind of relationship. How do you feel about that? Um I mean like you could clearly see that there's there there has been different versions of what the love story is, but the mm. pretty much like the accepted consensus is that Joker is just using Harley. Like he doesn't mm. really love her. And he has her mind so twisted and fucked up that she basically has a dependent on him. And he is obviously willing to throw her by the wayside as or sacrifice her when shit gets a little hairy for him. Mm-hmm. And it, it does kind of seem that Todd Phillips wants to focus more on the romantic version of of, of their in their dynamic. 
mm-hmm. but I, I ultimately I don't think that having Joker fall in love with 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 um, Harley Quinn is going to be a disservice to both those characters. Because mm. a, a person you love, you can't hurt them the the same way Joker hurts Harley. Yeah, you know that that disconnect is going to happen in in within the audience. But it could also be be like a a, a a plot point for the film. You know, shows for like the first forty minutes or something makes everybody believe that Joker loves Harley, but then you know, stabs her in the back. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, do you do you think it's a good thing or a bad thing? Bad. That they might subvert it is a bad thing. Uh, it's just the thing. It's like we don't we everything we've seen like we we haven't seen no traitor or anything like that. So everything mm-hmm, we've seen mm-hmm. is either on script or on image. Yeah, I kind of feel like uh, like we said he's trying to have it both ways, and I'm hoping that he could pull it off. Um, to say that Todd Phillips isn't a fantastic uh, director, obviously that's not true because he he made the Joker an Oscar-winning film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but he also made Hangover, and Hang- yeah. <laughs> Hang- I think I think he made Hangover two and three. So right, the crappy yeah. ones that I, I'm told. <laughs> right, right. So. Uh, uh, the, I mean, the repertoire is right there, yeah. right? just to make it kind of a weird, wacky kind of thing. But I, I, I don't know. I'm right there with you. I'm right there on the fence where it feels like he, he he's at the point where he can either make it or break it. Because usually the first, the second film is the slump, right? It's usually the where they they kind of overstep or they understep. Like I, we don't really know where boundaries this movie is gonna land on. Yeah, I'm just I just double checked and yes, Todd Phillips did direct all three uh, Hangover films. Oh, he did all three. Yeah, so what happened? <laughs> it kind of went like one was really good, I, and then two and three kind of like. Oh, yeah. uh, did you ever watch uh, Between Two Ferns with Zach Galifianakis? Yeah, yeah. There was a uh, 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 one where he was interviewing Obama, and this was towards Obama's uh, final uh, years in office, and he says like. And Zach asks Obama, "Is like, are you gonna run for a third term?" And Obama comes back at him, "Is like, no, I think a third term would be like having a third Hangover film." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> We're good president of SAS, bro. Yeah, the president of SAS. Um, yeah. But like, I, I have my hopes. Uh, he's been proven. Todd Phillips proven that he can handle a a real life version of a goofy ass character. Um, mm-hmm. introducing another goofy ass character is obviously a little uh, it's going to up the challenge a, a bit so in a way I'm kind of like yeah let's see what what he, what he can do with this yeah absolutely yeah Um, the, there has been a lot of AI you know AI generated content like dun 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 yeah I don't know if you've seen it but one of some of my favorite ones is where they get like Biden Obama and Trump playing video games and they're just talking shit to each other <laughs> it's all I have seen yeah, that it's all ge- AI generated content is, is, is it really yeah. what it's uh um, creepy at least I think it's all AI generated content but yeah it's it's very creepy to see how well it it well well it is you know like if, if if you pick somebody off the street and be like hey can you listen to this and he's gonna be like wait they're they're ha- they're they're playing with each other video games stuff like that i thought they hated each other you know <laughs> but we got a a 
there's obviously a question being arose when it comes to AI generated content, you know, and one of the things that, what is it? The motion picture writers guild of America or some shit like that. Yeah. yeah. One of the many organizations that are rule um, Hollywood with an iron fist say that, <laughs> yeah. that AI generated content is basically plagiarism. And in a way I, I agree with them because like the AI generated content, you have to feed it the material and it then it produces something either similar or in the same style, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with when when it comes to AI, I feel like it is a black hole that we are tempering with. Yeah, I it's a new or like we've we've known AI existed, right? We've yeah. we've heard about that Facebook experiment when they made their own language because English saw, was too inefficient. Yeah, it, it, English was too inefficient, <laughs> right? So uh, like Skynet aside, and you know more entertainment and more entertainment prone, it's it's does have it sets a new precedent. Mm -hmm. I want to say in terms of IP, because in all intents and purposes, it is plagiarism, right? But I don't know. I haven't seen if they can detect it, if they could detect really that it, it is plagiarism because there's no one there to make a big. There's no like, you know, one guy in Mississippi or something like that saying, hey, the guy copied my script. Yeah. You know, there's no there's no payback, not payback, but there's no checks and balances, I suppose. Well, I, that, I, that proves there has mm -hmm. been um, like obviously like the AI has been uh, embraced by every aspect or a lot of aspects of you know everyday human life not just entertainment one thing being mm. school mm. like there has been an, an influx of teachers using ai to generate their curriculum or even students using ai to write their papers oh my god then just let ai teach <laughs> just let ai teach if the ai is building the curriculum and ai is giving the answers yeah. <laughs> So there there has been some attempts. I'm not entirely sure how successful they are, but there has been some attempts uh -huh. to uh to like to filter through AI generated like uh papers that papers that our students are turning in. Yeah. Um I would feel like they would have to invest in it to become comparable with the AI that's being generated today mm -hmm. to have it be implemented in at, at a wider scale. You know something that Hollywood would accept because there has yeah. there there was a um, some some AI uh, artist or something I'm not entirely sure what you would call him at this point, uh, yeah. <laughs> but he was making like oh give me a bunch of paintings in the style of Picasso or give me a bunch of paintings in the style of Rembrandt and stuff like that so right. and the AI right. was generated like the, they look like Picassos and they look like Rembrandt's Van Goghs but they weren't they were generated by AI so. There, there is that is clear and obvious like plagiarism in a in a sense. You know, you're taking somebody's look, and in 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 visual art, it's impossible not to have a a unique look to something. You know. Oh, but is it though? <laughs> I I know where you're coming from. Yeah. I definitely, if you literally put artwork like Picasso and it makes artwork like Picasso, like that's a one to one. Yeah. Right, but. When, especially when it comes to art or and to some extent you know music they sample each other that's true right and like they grab and then an art art can be inspired by other artists and like yeah, but at the it, at the it, point where you say write me a yeah. script in the style of christopher nolan you know? yeah and christopher Nolan is it is it technically inspired by because it's not literally right you're yeah. not writing literal memento and that's plagiarism to a t 
but you're it's like like you know what I mean? mm-hmm. like it, it's similar to it but not really so it, it, it's it's easy to see i'm i know where you're coming from man i'm not defending ai i don't think i would defend ai anytime or anytime <laughs> soon but um it, it's twice my point is that work. it's a fine line I know, like future overlords. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I'm on your side. I was just joking. <laughs> future overlords. Yeah, but it, it's yeah. it's such a fine line because, like you said, they have to have. They need not even have. They need detection capabilities mm. because it's becoming distinguishable at at some aspects. Yeah, it, and I, I get where you're coming from as well because it's not like a a hundred percent copy to copy you know paste and copy type of yeah. situation where which is what classical p- plagiarism is yeah but, classical <laughs> <laughs> you're right because it's like it's plagiarism shouldn't be something so complicated yeah. you literally copied but it's, it's yeah with ai it's it's such a mess <laughs> yeah but like there has been a um fuck i just had the idea and i lost it um <laughs> where you have like, a um uh, Shit, I completely just lost my train of thought. I'm sorry, no, I didn't mean no, to derail. It's okay, it's okay. <laughs> but anyway, so AI, there, there, there has been a an acceptance, and the one thing that I'm always like, I always go to is Ultron. You know, because mm. like <laughs> when it gets to that point, it's all like, especially like I'm watching, I'm rewatching Agents of Shield, and I'm at the, I'm at season four with Ada. I don't know if you remember. Uh-huh. Oh, right, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm at that point yeah. right now, and um, everything, everything that's ever been. Uh, published in any way or forum that has anything to do with ai or sentient um artificial intelligence that that type of shit mm-hmm. is bad mm-hmm. times for humans yeah <laughs> we yeah. either become batteries Definitely. we get extinct or we're oppressed as hell <laughs> yeah we get, <laughs> it's, it's basically it yeah right yeah so <coughs> excuse me so now they're gonna have a uh AI writing movies and stuff like that. So it's just to start the process of numbing us down. Like they're yeah. going to come up with the perfect script to like just shut everybody off. It's going to make a hundred billion dollars because everybody's going to start to like use it. And like we use phones now as if yeah. like basically like kids are born and they automatically know how to use a phone. You know, that's it's that <laughs> insane. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. all going to integrate. And then all of a sudden, dun, 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 dun. like look at you're just talking about ai generated voices and now hollywood was playing around with deep with bringing people back from the dead right so and like we saw uh, we saw holographic tupac you know Um, and and the simpler days the simpler (laughs) days right when it was just glass smoke and mirrors but now it's literal technology grafting Mm. a face on a virtual image you know and stuff like that and it's it's novel don't get me wrong like seeing joe biden and trump play freaking call of duty and you know talk to each other it's it's entertaining but there's gonna be a point where it's not entertaining anymore and people are losing their jobs because they would prefer an ai generated screenplay that you can you don't have to pay anything over something that you know you need thought and process and experience from yeah and then you have a movie where you like hey let's have let's cast marilyn monroe like but she's dead who cares we'll have a deep fake of an act of a mocap person not anymore she's not yeah like (laughs) not more how much is it to bring her back 100 million i'm down like (laughs) like it's it's fun right it's cool to play around with a nuke but at some point that nuke's gonna blow up and it's gonna take everything around with it and 
it's it, we need we need to have a technology that detects that sooner rather than later and with the wga saying that it's plagiarism that's all well and good but that's just written on paper yeah like it says don't don't loiter here and we still loiter yeah so it's not like <laughs> it's gonna stop until some cop comes like hey you can't loiter and then we move. i've never like we need that i've never seen now. anybody get told to move on if they're just loitering <laughs> that's, that's in my life that's never been that's never happened <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah. exactly yeah, and then, yeah. then what the 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 Writers Guild of America was saying that obviously when it comes down to everything is money, and they're saying like the um, the royalty rights, like what's this going to mean for people who write who actually write scripts and stuff like that? Like obviously they're mm-hmm. they're going to be left out in the cold, and yeah. that this that that's always a part of the industry that um, that the Hollywood. Is tr- always tries to fuck over, like you know, like you. Yeah, you, I've, I feel yeah. like you constantly hear about either threatening about a writing strike or going actually on strike and stuff like that. So, this is just gonna throw like more uh, tinder to the fire. Yeah, exactly. We have a writer strike every year. Yeah, basically. It's and it's like why? Why do we? It's a multi-billion-dollar industry. That's e. That's one of it's one of if not the one of the most popular entertainment forums in the world and we still have we're negotiating money it's, and how much to pay each it's other movie math, so it's, man. it's movie math yeah right. like yeah. a couple of weeks ago or yeah sometime last week it, it was revealed that the writer for mean girls basically mm. didn't get paid for um for the script and, er, and like, it, the, the spin the article was spinning was like oh look poor her and stuff like that but then you look at the comments and generally people who actually know what they're talking about it's like yeah it happens to everybody like it's not she's nothing fucking special like you can I could go down a list of hundreds and hundreds of writers who have written a a, a script that was like you know bought legally by the company at a flat rate and the film goes on to make hundreds of millions of dollars yeah, they never yeah. They, look at the witcher yeah they never see any any percentage of that obviously because like right they had a, a flat rate contract yeah yeah or uh, like a what is it a pay not pay to win <laughs> that's video <laughs> games uh but like a, a peer to review or something not a peer to review that's another thing where they just basically they're freelancers so they're not given that royalty benefit yeah I forget the I forget the technical term for it, but like even with Marvel, like some of the writers there, they take their storylines, but they they include them as this freelance kind of subset, so they don't have to pay them royalty. They just pay them a flat ten thousand and a free screening <laughs> or some crap, and like that's that's equivalent to a pat on the back and it's like a good job, you know, yeah. and you know moving my car for example or something like yeah. that. It's like. Like, dude, pay me, yeah. <laughs> pay me more. So there are already like a blurry interpretations of what the royalty laws or yeah royalty laws are supposed to be you know um you, the, the most classic example is the the creators of superman they were paid 150 dollars mm. you know 100 years ago to create this character and dc warner brothers have made billions upon billions of dollars on on what they did 100 years ago and yeah. the family sued and uh, they won some they're basically like shamed everybody came together and shamed Warner Brothers to cut them a you know <laughs> shame <laughs> to cut them a check just to, to to keep them happy. Yeah, I kind of feel like now that they're going to um, ju- like the AI is coming into play. Either the the Hollywood companies are going to go all in to be able to like fully have total one hundred percent 
autonomy over the, the their characters and movies and stuff like that, so they don't have to worry about paying other the writers. Yeah. But in the opposite, in the other side, they they could side with the writers and be like, no, this is going to actually be bad for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's been our show for this week. Thank you for listening. For more info, check out our link tree. And if you like what you heard, leave a thumbs up. If you want to help grow the show, please share and subscribe. I've been your host, like always, Joel, accompanied by my good buddy, Ernesto. And this has been Pop Salsa.